On this episode of Moving Lines, we will discuss how circumstances are changing for those living in Seleka refugee camp since the coronavirus began to spread in Malawi, and somewhat in the refugee camp itself. Specifically, this episode will consider how poverty and politics have intertwined for a less than ideal circumstance for those experiencing statelessness in Seleka. Seleka is a UN-mandated refugee camp where tens of thousands of people call home. Most people living in Zaleka have fled insecurity in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and Burundi, and have since spent decades of their lives seeking the safe haven Zaleka offers in hopes of eventual third country resettlement. Spending such a large chunk of one's life within the periphery of such a small plot of land results in the development of a city where people build a community, they meet friends, get married, have kids, worship, and grow businesses all within the parameters of the camp. It perhaps comes as no surprise, then, that despite widespread notions of refugee camps being a space of their life, void of political processes and community action, Tzaleka has become a space where such efforts thrive. This, however, has not occurred without challenge. For those living in Tzaleka, everyday life means navigating various restrictions placed upon them by transnational bodies and the Malawian government. For example, those living in Seleka experience limitations on their movement. They are unable to participate in many political decisions that impact their daily lives. Their inability to find work is heavily restricted as well. These restrictions render many in the camp dependent on foreign aid distributions by big bodies, such as the UNHCR and Plan International Malawi, largely uninfluenced by the plight and considerations of those in the camp. As the aid is determined largely by budgetary constraints and caloric estimates of how much food one needs to eat to survive. To make matters worse, this aid is periodically cut and withdrawn entirely, necessitating those in the camp adapt quickly and at times go without meals and necessary supplies. The onslaught of the coronavirus pandemic has only worsened the circumstances within Zaleka for those experiencing statelessness there. As soon as the international news began to cover the severity of COVID-19, these shutdowns, however, made performing the odds and ends jobs that Seleka residents rely on to make ends meet almost impossible. Most Seleka residents do different jobs such as doing laundry, selling goods in the market, making bricks, construction, etc. to make a meager income which is necessary to supplement the aid distribution provided as even without the frequent cuts, the aid is not enough to last a person or family for an entire month as it is proposed to do. To make matters even worse, the Malawian president is understood by some to have politicized those experiencing statelessness in Seleka, spreading alleged falsehoods that COVID is spreading more in the refugee camp than in other parts of the country. A circumstance of this is a general distrust of medical personnel, a situation that makes fighting the spread of the coronavirus even more challenging. During this episode of Moving Lines, we interview people currently living under these conditions in Zaleka, who elaborate on how the financial circumstances briefly touched on above, coupled with a general distrust in medical personnel and services, have intertwined for a less than ideal circumstance for those experiencing statelessness in the refugee camp. As a brief side note, please be aware, this episode of Moving Lines features interviews from people currently experiencing statelessness in Zaleka as we experience a global pandemic. These interviews are performed via Skype with a weak internet signal in the camp. As a result, some of the audio may cut out or be difficult to hear or understand. The first interviewee featured in this episode is Fabrice, 
who speaks with a translator and is one of the six interviewees currently facing displacement in Zaleka that took part in developing this episode. During his interview, Fabrice touches on the paradox of one's desire to stay home to prevent the spread of the coronavirus and the necessity of working to provide food for oneself and their family. Fabrice explains that many are put into a challenging choice, stay in to avoid catching the virus and starve, or risk catching COVID and get money for food to eat. The following excerpt is translated live at the time of the interview. You know the life of Zaleka is difficult for people to stay inside of house or without to go around. So if you, you are inside, you can't eat. So to have a food, you have to walk outside, you have to walk hardly, either something to go to make the breaks, uh, the blah, blah, a lot of things to have a food. So if they said about the, uh, the lockdown or the continent or something like that, so if we are just uh, at in, inside without go outside to seek to seek a food, to seek a money, so how go how are you going to eat? So it told the people are afraid of this disease, it told the people are afraid of of COVID-19, but if you are just inside of what, if you have hunger, even if hunger gonna kill you, so even if corona, corona gonna kill you, so we don't know what to do exactly. No mana, but bana jitosha, na utumika kazi, lakini bana, uku bana patiria. That's why the people, they remove themselves to go, even if they are following the rules, but they are just like refer themselves to find something to eat. Kwangu mie Fabrice nilitafuta nijue ai bado bana protect kwa juu ya ile utaenda toka unaenda So according to me Fabrice so I would like to know how people they protect themselves in this problem. When I'm moving in the house to house the people have a little money they can buy something like they 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 buy they buy the what I don't know mm-hmm. something like uh, like uh, we are we, we are fetching water, but in English sometimes uh, we are fetching water. They pour water inside, and then before you get inside of house, you have to open it, and then some soap. You wash your hands, and then you get in inside. Deborah and Samson, a few of the other interviewees, echo Fabrice's sentiment and highlight similar challenges now that small jobs are less available. Okay, the first biggest worry is about <laughs> students and also lack of food in the camp. And I think poverty was at some point killed people since they don't have work to do. Even those who are giving peace works, they are not staying home, so they are able to do it by themselves. So it will be like people, some will not have a way of finding food and even food will not be sufficient. And Samson. Okay, um, first of all, you know, Malawi country is a poorest country. I can say here in Africa, as you know. So people depend on um, doing some business, small businesses. So there, there was no way to make these businesses while this COVID-19 is there. So it really affected the way of living of people. So people were expecting to get money from their businesses, but 
they were no longer running their businesses because of this COVID-19. Even some people working in the government, they could, don't, they could not do their works because of this COVID-19. They could not move from their houses to jobs. So it's affected. To make matters worse, as COVID-19 was first starting to make headlines in December of 2019, UNHCR and Plan International Malawi, the NGOs responsible for providing aid in the camp, made drastic changes to how aid is provided. All of the interviewees highlight how extreme this measure is and stress that this cut has greatly contributed to the level of food scarcity that Zaleka community currently experiences. Damien, another one of our interviewees, finds the biggest burden he faces from this change to be the tardiness of the allotment of money, explaining that the money rarely ever comes on time. And on that, I would not comment on other families, but then I would just talk of my parents with the way this has affected. Uh, on this, it's just that the same amount of money which they used to buy the maize which you would get, they are now giving it for someone just to buy the maize on his or her own. Now, I would say this is greatly affecting our lives simply because that amount which they give is not coming on time. Or maybe if it comes on time, but then they will delay in giving it. That's the great challenge which is on that. Samson, who works with a couple community-based support nonprofits in the camp, reflects on how this change to the aid distribution impacts the orphans the organization serves explaining that the amount of money is not good enough to last the entire month, and people are worse off than they were before. Okay, um, uh, for real, uh, when they started this system, I don't know, it was due to donors or donating food to UNHCR. So I can really testify, because when we go to visit some orphans, we see that, because someone receiving three US dollars for food for the whole month, these three US dollars can't even feed someone for the whole day. So imagine now doing the whole month. That's why I said when we're going to meet those people, we found some 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 families just drinking porridge. You know, so it's infected, it's affected people. John echoes both Damien's and Samson's sentiments as he says that the food does not come on time and the money is not enough. So the way they are doing, like, uh, first of all, you have to we have to receive first the food, and then uh, after after receiving the food, you have to wait for having that uh, three US dollars. So you have to wait. Uh, maybe sometime can take a long time to uh, a lot of days without having that money. But uh, it's like something is like a complicating the people here in Zalika refugee camp. So in this period, uh, I think uh, you can say the things is not, is not, is not good. To make matters even more complicated, Malawian politicians are politicizing the virus. Interviewees claim that the president is publicly blaming Zaleka residents for the spread of the virus in the country, resulting in a general distrust of medical personnel and services within the Zaleka community. During his interview, Samson contends the president's speculations are false and that Zaleka fares better than any other parts of Malawi. He attributes statements the president makes to mere political moves. Yeah, uh, of course, because, uh, you know, the government was saying that 
um, the COVID-19 is real here in Saleka more than other towns. So, you know, because the area there we start, um, it's just a small, you know, the camp is small, and then we are having more than 45 people, 45,000 people. So they were saying that, because we are many in the same place and it's more, so they were mistreating us. Yeah, there were there was time they say like they should come here in the camp and then they built even a quarantine house that uh, no one should go outside. Yeah, so we should always stay here. So things like that. And when when they say which means it's um it was uh, like something from the government. Uh, yeah, this is uh, a political move because it's not true. Yeah, so it's not true. It's just political move. Because uh, when this president was trying to do his uh, campaigns, so he was saying like all refugees will go back home where they came from. And the former president also was saying no, these people should stay. So it was just a political move whereby they should compete. So things like that. Yeah, it has some consequences. How? Because you know here in Salika, uh, as refugees. First of all, we are not allowed to work in some organizations uh, of Malawi and being paid as Malawians. You know. So we depend on doing some small business. So there are some people who sell tomatoes, yeah, who sell Irish potatoes. Then they go outside of Taleka and get those uh, materials or those foods. And then they come here in Taleka and sell to people. But they were not doing it as normal, so it really struggled people how to get food, because the food that we receive at the month is not really enough for us. So, yeah, um, what I can say first of all is like I remember in it was in April or something, yeah, May, April or May. So people were just eating once a day, so eating once a day since morning up to evening. So you just eat once, or if you don't have uh, the little, then you can just drink. Uh, you can just drink something. Uh, this is what we call pala porridge. Sorry, the life was really hard. Politicizing the virus has consequences. Resources are scarce, and the necessary medical equipment to both prevent the spread, such as COVID tests, and support those who have serious illnesses are not widely accessible. The result of politicizing the virus in a country where resources are scarce can be supposed from a general fear of being identified as having the virus. There is a general fear of being rumored to have been infected by COVID-19, as can be inferred by Fabrice shying away from sharing the name of a chief in the camp who has COVID-19. So uh, the way I know, so we always sometimes the, uh, the the this problem of coronavirus was increasing in the in in Malawi. That's in Zaleka refugee camp. Like the the a lot of people will receive the news from uh, the someone who is. Is a higher level in this camp. Monyana to Tangazia Kama, Bakimiz, Napasha could protect Juyanim. He taught us the refugees we have to protect ourselves. So we have this news from the leader of health 
there is uh, there are there in town one refugees uh had uh, got, got this disease i could say his name but uh, he's not going to say his name right now because he's, uh, he's a chief he's a very responsible person yeah it was like a confirmation confirmation of uh, some uh, there's one refugees uh uh so as a refugee sometimes they are traveling there in, uh, in Canada, Australia, America. So one of the refugees came back here in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Malawi, but uh, we get just the news from the lot of people. They said that uh, the, the persons in case were dead in Lilongo there have this disease was one of uh, the problem make people a lot of people in camp afraid of this disease or COVID-19. That is the way I can say it. Contracting the virus also has physical consequences for those in the camp. Many interviewees explain that due to the ineffectiveness of the available COVID testing, anyone who is exhibiting COVID symptoms is put into isolation for two weeks. While this measure is a precaution intended to preserve the health and the sanctity of life, a perhaps unintended consequence of this measure is people who are feeling sick are now avoiding the hospital in order to avoid being placed in isolation. Fabrice explains that the COVID tests available in the camp are not strong enough, and this has led the medical professionals to isolate all those who display symptoms similar to those that people experience when infected with COVID. So we are now in the period of a lot of dust, dust come with a, with a windy, something like that, but uh, the people are seeking like a grief and the rain because of you are making insane, because of the dust, uh, the windy, so it's too cold. So the people are afraid to go to the hospital because of uh, if they, they go there, maybe the doctor can say because of you are making this, so maybe you have a COVID-19. Yeah, they locked you in there, you have to be there uh, for 14 days, and then after 14 days, now you can, you, you can, you can come out. Uh, that things uh, make people afraid of uh, to go to the hospital because if you go there, they can do so. The people are preferred to go to the what pharmacy, have some uh, they pay for some medicals, and then came back with it at home. The fear of being labeled as having been infected by the coronavirus has real-life consequences that are detrimental to containing the spread of the pandemic and providing services to those who are in need. As this fear is preventing those who are in need of medical services, whether that be due to exhibiting COVID symptoms or not, from seeking medical services. Samson highlights this phenomenon and explains that those in need of medical attention are no longer going to the hospital due to fears of receiving a false positive. Samson again ties the high numbers of false positives as attributable to the political climate he described earlier in this episode. Yeah, because, you know, it's reached a time whereby if you suffer from um, coffee, you could not go to the hospital because they don't have those tests, they don't have those materials to test if you are affected or not. So you are afraid to say, if I go to the hospital and test me, they will just say, I am sick of this pandemic of COVID-19. So you will just stay home. 
So this was making us very, very afraid. No, it's not those people affected by having those symptoms, you know? Yeah, because mm -hmm. the symptoms were, they were saying like having coffee, uh, sneezing every time, um, flu. So here in Africa, having flu, it's normal as here in the camp. Even though the pandemic was, wasn't there, we have been suffering from flu. So this time of pandemic, we're afraid of going there to hospitals because you just feel like if they make a test and they don't, they don't have materials, they'll just say that you're suffering from COVID-19. For them to get more cases, as I said, it's a political move. Samson provides an anecdote to explain how this plays out on the ground. Yeah, someone, someone died here in Zaleka, it was a woman. And then uh, after some days, they said, oh, this woman died because of COVID-19. So in Zaleka, we have found a case, someone died. This, this. So uh, there was even a certain uh, pastor who is in Karonga. So who called me and said, Samson, is there any case of COVID-19 in Zaleka? Because they, they broadcasted that someone died because of the COVID-19. Then I said, no, it wasn't true because she was sick. She just died because of this sickness. So that's what happening. Deborah, another one of our six interviewees, shares a similar sentiment of fear that has been preventing those in need of medical services from going to the hospital. She then goes a step further to explain that even if someone were to have the virus, Malawi does not have the medical equipment necessary to care for those who may require serious treatment. Such knowledge perhaps further dissuades the Tseleka community from seeking necessary medical treatment. And also the other big change that I've observed so far, it's about people being scared to go at the hospital if they're having any problem, because they are, they're scared that once they go there, they'll tell them that they are positive. So some are being scared. They don't even wish to go at the hospital for the medication. They're just home. So they're just suffering home. They're having hardship at home just because of this virus. They are, they are afraid that they can be suspected. They are afraid to be suspected to, to, to have that virus. Since they are told that if they go there when looking ill, very well, they are very ill, they might be suspected that they're having the virus. So some are afraid. They are just staying at home while they are not, they are not okay. okay. The first thing that makes people afraid is that the, the, the virus doesn't have Cure. It's just few people who are who are who are recovering, so that makes people to be scary. And the also lack of the, the the medication or the even the 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 care itself. For the people in the camp, according to the information that I've been hearing, the camp it's like they are scared looking outside the country, like the country is abroad. People are suffering a lot, and they have equipment they are safe they have much things to protect themselves compelling to this side but they are still dying so they do think like what if this virus is very serious here how are we going to survive yet even the people who having the, the equipment to protect themselves they are still dying and what will happen here so they are having such kind of thoughts the spread of the coronavirus in Malawi has been relatively well managed due to proactive policy decisions made by the Malawian government. However, the situation in Zaleka has been trending in the wrong direction. Those who once relied on odd jobs to supplement aid distributions no longer have this as an option, 
all while aid distributions have changed drastically. These circumstances have led some to decide between contracting the virus and going hungry. To make matters worse, the spread of the virus has been politicized, and many fear receiving a false positive, leading many to avoid hospitals, even if they need immediate medical care. These challenges have led to increasing fears and difficulties within the Zaleka community that were considered in Episode 5 of Moving Lines. Tune in if you missed it and are interested in learning more. If you're interested in donating to combat food scarcity in Zaleka, consider donating to a sustainable agricultural program being organized to benefit those experiencing food insecurity in Zaleka at rocyourworld.org. Thank you for tuning in to Moving Lines. Future episodes may be found at our website, rockyourworld.org. That's rocyourworld.org, as well as all major streaming platforms. Check out our Instagram and Facebook pages at Refugee Outreach Collective. If you have any feedback on this episode or others, comments can be submitted on the contact page of our website. If you'd like to donate to Refugee Outreach Collective, you can also do so at rockyourworld.org. Moving Lines wouldn't have been possible without the dedication of everyone at Refugee Outreach Collective, but we'd like to give a special thanks to a few people on the team. The Zaleka episodes of Moving Lines were written by Emily Warline and Maxwell Evans. Moving Lines was produced and edited by Ian Devitt. Narration was provided by Zoe Maddox. The music was generously provided by Beirut 66. Additional thanks to Sari Sardia, Elizabeth Hume, Thomas Summy, and Michelle Thorpe for their contributions as well. We'd also like to thank the interviewees for sharing their stories and experiences with the listeners. Keep tuning in for more unique stories of how people are navigating through the moving lines.